1: before they were live an ongoing monthly and extremely nerdy conversation through the disney animated canon in chronological order adding a little ingredient from the kingdoms of art criticism fandom and imagination into our house specials in order to create a delicious and not poisonous podcast shrimp kanji that won't quit although if it is poison mm, you are gonna die happy hopefully along the way we enrich the viewing experience and have some fun too Today we're riding our tuk-tuks into the dystopian world and land that has gone to waste, the broken world of Kumandra, and the 59th film in the animated canon, 2021's Raya and the Last Dragon. But I know what you're thinking, and I'm not a lone rider. Joining me as always, the owner and chief executive officer of this Shrimporium, it's Michael Farmer. How are you doing, Josh? Doing well. Happy to uh, be discussing Raya and the Last Dragon with you. Do you remember, Michael, I, I think it was clear back when we discussed uh, Rescuers Down Under, maybe, that uh, Disney wanted to make an action movie.
0: <laughs> this is their action movie, that's for sure. It's like a heist movie in, in certain spots.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's just amazing where the genre has, has gone, you know? I mean, not the genre. Jo- I guess the medium has gone, not the genre. Right, right. Yeah, because animation's not a genre, as I right. we've discussed. Yeah. Yes, as we've discussed many times. But the uh, the medium has, has gone to uh, some very different places. This, this movie just feels like, um, in some ways, it could be uh, any, you know, any blockbuster action movie to me.
0: Right, right. And it owes... Uh, it owes certain things to a number
1: of blockbuster action movies. Yeah, and that's not a knock against it. Nope. I really enjoyed it. Um, but it, no, it doesn't—it
0: doesn't feel like a ripoff. But there, there are things in it that clearly like dovetail with Avengers: Endgame, or Raiders of the Lost Ark, or Mad Max: Fury Road, mm-hmm. or I'm sure there's five or six more that aren't coming to mind immediately. Yeah, yeah,
1: but it's uh, yeah, so that that's that's where we've come to yeah you know? <laughs> it's kind of amazing that we've come this far so um, how'd you like it <laughs> I, I mostly did like
0: it your kids love this movie right yeah they really like it yes they yeah I, I mostly liked it I felt like it has kind of a tone problem mm-hmm in that like it's going along on this very interesting tone that you never see in these Disney movies and then aquafina shows up and kind of hijacks the movie mm-hmm and like I don't have, in theory, a problem with Aquafina. I like her in other things, but I, I felt like the moment she appears, the movie it takes a while to reset um, to the to be, to become the more interesting movie that it had been up to her appearance. But other than that, I I, I like it quite a bit, and, and even eventually she kind of
1: integrates with the rest of the movie. Right. Yeah, I was wondering how you were going to feel about Sisu um, when I was watching it. I was like, this this seems like the character that is that that Michael's going to have an opinion on.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I, I thought I was really going to hate her, and I ended up only hating her for a little while. I feel like 15, 20 minutes after her appearance, they, they kind of figured out how to to swallow her back up with the, the thing they were doing, the kind of dystopian heist movie that they were otherwise doing. Mm-hmm. That's good. Uh, You know, um, I can, I can live with that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I do feel like, um, yeah, we, tone is something we've talked about on several episodes, you know, um, some, uh, I, I think, uh, what, what were some of the worst, um, that we talked about, like hunchback of Notre Dame.
2: (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) There's a, there's a
1: big tonal shift is is the, maybe the top of the pile as far as, you know, tonal swings. Um, I'm trying to remember now. I'm trying to recall what else what else we've talked about. But you're right. This this movie isn't there. Um, but it does it does have some some pretty uh some pretty big tonal shifts. I feel like this is a um a little bit of a, a modern movie, um, like a criticism that I would have a lot of a lot of modern movies though, is like as the um as the genres have kind of blended together into, you know, this this single sort of blockbuster form um like there are tonal shifts all over the place in a lot of movies and they just kind of uh uh, I mean the 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 way we've described it on this on this show before is it's 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 more a ride than anything you know mm-hmm. you get on and you you take what's thrown at you as you as you progress through the movie. Uh, I mean that, that's endemic to the Marvel movies too, right?
0: Infinity right. War comes to mind. You have that amazing opening where Thanos kills Loki and all that stuff, and it's very bleak. And then I can't remember if there's stuff in between, but then the the first thing you see of the Guardians of the Galaxy is them joyously singing Rubber Band Man. Mm-hmm. I yeah. can't remember if that comes before or after the stuff on Earth, but it um it, the the Marvel movies are kind of inf- notorious for uh, for their tonal shifts. Thor: yes. Love and Thunder is another good one.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah, and that's that's kind of the point I'm making. Is that it's almost like it's hard to criticize a movie for being tonally all over the place because it seems like a thing that movie makers don't really care about anymore. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, like it kind of, it it, it works because there's a, there's a certain sense in the, the way that the movies are so fast paced that you, you might notice the tonal shifts, but you don't necessarily care because there's something new and immediate happening that you have to pay attention to, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I would say is endemic to modern blockbusters that's definitely present here is that the movie in some ways seems to be courting memes. Like you can there's there's certain parts in this movie where it was very clear to me that the the filmmakers were like, ah, oh, this is gonna become a meme.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like the yeah. um, when the when the baby Noi is that her name when yes. the the con artist baby goes flying over them and and makes a kissy face at them you you uh-huh. could just tell that the filmmakers were like yeah this is gonna be a meme <laughs> and I, I guess I guess that's unavoidable that's just like the society we live in but I still found it annoying and
1: um, and kind of distracting yeah yeah it is interesting the way that you know again just the way the medium has progressed because you're you're i don't think this is the first time you've you've made this criticism you know like that that our movies have become kind of memeified and um you know made to be broken down into you know 10 second clips that can be shared on on whatever social media app and and all this stuff you know um and it is it is the world that we live in and it's it's kind of interesting it's hard to uh it's 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 hard to find an analogous thing from the past you know i guess it was the big blockbuster song you know showstopper song maybe you know that you knew was going to be a radio hit also back Mm -hmm. in the 90s you know um is maybe the analogous thing i'm not i'm not sure
0: and and because i was young when i was watching those movies maybe it just didn't bother me and i just kind of accepted it as part of the the DNA of those movies, but the, right. the the meme thing I do find distracting. Yeah, in a movie that I otherwise like, of course Aquafina yeah. is one
1: big meme. That's true. That's her whole. <laughs> that's her whole thing, you know. So she's she's perfect for this this modern movie age, I guess. So yeah, I think having her in it and having um, uh, Benedict Wong in it, and then. Uh, it did. It did just feel very like Marvel adjacent, you know.
0: The, right. I mean, part the, of the problem is they had they had to get a whole lot of Asian cast members, <laughs> 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 which is a problem that um, Shang Chi had as well, and Crazy Rich, Rich Asians. So there is a lot of overlap between those three movies, just because um, unfortunately there's not that many famous Asian actors. Right. Benedict Wong, though, I don't know that I would have known it was him in this because what he's doing in this is so different from what he's doing in um, in the in the uh, Doctor Strange movies. That's true. It is, he, yeah, he does. Have he, a he's good. actually like playing a part in a way that Aquafina is definitely not playing a part. Like he's doing a voice and, I, you know, I, I looked it up and knew it was him. But that's a that's a really terrific performance. And it's clearly him trying to do something a little different than just playing Wong. Mm
2: hmm.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a very fair point.
0: I saw Shang Chi, but I saw it. I had COVID. I watched it on Christmas Day last year with COVID, and so I don't really remember that much about it. I remember he was in it, but I don't remember what he did.
1: Yeah, and kind of a fever dream.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, and Aquafina's in that one too, right? She is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she's in I mean,
0: um, and she's in Crazy Rich Asians as well. Yeah,
1: yeah, which I haven't seen Crazy Rich Asians.
0: It's it's, like, it's pretty good. I mean, for yeah. what it is, for a romantic comedy, it's
1: good. I'd probably I'd probably like it. I have a you know, I have a soft spot, soft spot for Asia and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> right,
0: right.
1: Um, yeah, which is which is I think probably why I liked Shang-Chi as much as I did was because of the amount of um, Chinese influence on it. Well, here it's not so
0: much Chinese influence, right? It's um, Cambodian, Thai, Raos. Right. It's yes. the the Southeast Asian. Yeah, it's the Southeast Asia influence on this one. Yeah, even though I know there was a controversy that there weren't very many Southeast Asian actors in the movie.
1: Yeah, you know some of that stuff. I just feel like I don't know. It's it's hard to speak into because you know here I am. You know I like I I'm you know the white male or whatever you know middle aged white male. Um, So it's hard to speak into it. But but there is a sense in which. Uh, it feels like no matter what is done there has to be some criticism that is right like, you know right, I, I agree so which I guess is like I don't know it's I don't know if we want to go down that rabbit trail but there's you know there's a sense in which if you're if your whole um, what uh ideal is progress then there's never enough progress you know like there's always right. there's always more progress to be had so i get that that's i mean that's fine that's not a, that's not the horse or that's not the cart i've you know the horse that i've attached my cart to is that right <laughs> it's the progress horse
0: <laughs> right but i mean at the same time it is it is cool that there's a movie that has this viewpoint that, that's so based on southeast asian culture you know what I mean? Like, you would you would think people would be happy about that. And I guess maybe they are. It, it, it's probably a very small number of people who are condemning the movie. Yeah, for, just, the loud,
1: just, just the loudest voices. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. Yeah. so It's, yeah, it's like no, the I people agree. who it complain about real. the politics of anything. I suspect it's a very small number, left or right.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's probably true. So let's not feed that fire. Um. So yeah. Uh. Do you, Do you have more to say about what this what this movie's like trying to achieve as far as as tonally that you you felt was interesting?
0: I, I think even aside from the Aquafina stuff, it does kind of shift genres every time it goes to a different area. So you do get that kind of mm-hmm. um, Mad Max feel in tail when they're when they're in the desert, this that kind of post apocalyptic wasteland. But then there there are Every area is so distinct, which is part of what makes the movie fun, mm-hmm. that the genre kind of shifts to to fix that or to, to match that. Excuse me. So maybe if Aquafina hadn't shown up in the bleakest part of the movie, in the post apocalyptic wasteland that is tail, maybe um, maybe it wouldn't have been so noticeable because she does fit in more in. Um, gosh, I can't remember the names of all the areas spine uh, what's the what's spen- the one that's spine like hong kong heart and uh um not spine though it's talon the um oh yeah talon
1: talon's the one that's like hong kong
0: yeah so i mean i think she she fits in much better in that one because it is so noisy and boisterous and and so her her very loud personality um doesn't stand out as much as it does out in the desert
1: yeah yeah, when you said that, it reminded me that uh, we had this—you um, know—the the different environments and how you know shifting from environment to environment. We talked about that a little bit in um, uh, Ralph Rex, uh, Wreck It Ralph. Sorry, Wreck It Ralph. Right, um, the different environments. I, I, I didn't I didn't notice that um, similarity until you said that, but there, there is that sort of different feel for each of the of the five lands, which is kind of cool.
0: Right. And then when you get the 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 thing in the heist movie where it's an unlikely group of misfits and and each one of them has their own personality and their own backstory and they all come from these different areas. And it was once I realized that's what was going on, that they're picking up, uh, picking up different people in in each area. I I really enjoyed that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pretty cool.
1: It's a it's a pretty fun little uh, ragtag gang that they they have there by the end
0: it's it's fun to watch them develop relationships with each other and uh to see um Tong bond with Noi, you know, this big gruesome uh warrior just love this uh co- uh toddler con artist.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs>
1: He's the only one who knows her name because he actually read The Counter-Caller. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good line. <laughs> a pretty good moment. But it is. I, I yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say just that moment, you know, of, you know, he knows her name and everybody kind of looks at him and is like, how do you know his name? Because that happened off screen. I feel like they did a really good job of, like, um, letting you letting the viewer experience the movie in a way that that it felt like there's more happening off screen like there's more happening like on the boat rides and stuff and these people are getting to know each other but like it felt it felt inhabited in some sort of way you know
2: yeah. um
1: that I, I thought it was effective like like sometimes that feels like um Uh, like plot holes or like you're skipping parts or something, you know, and then like other times it feel, it makes the whole universe feel more real. And I don't, I don't know what the the balance is on it, but I feel like this movie struck it in the right way.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that.
1: The uh, toddler con artist is probably the uh, one of the, one of the things that, that keeps this movie an animated movie.
0: (laughs) Yes. That would be very (laughs) difficult. Although I don't know with the, with the CGI they have in the Marvel movies, you can imagine you can imagine them being able to do that. That's of course, true. at that point, you're basically an animated movie again, right?
1: Yes, yeah. It, it is interesting how all our all our movies are animated these days in some ways, you know. So, all the blockbusters, anyway. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it, yeah, that's very, very interesting. But, um. Yeah, there's some some really. I mean, the animation in this is just it's it's very in- incredible. You know, like it's oh it's, you know,
0: uh, unbelievable. I mean, it, it, I feel like every movie I talk about how I couldn't imagine they'd be able to do better than the last movie, and then they do. Yeah, the water in this movie, like the scene in the desert where the water starts flowing the opposite direction because the uh-huh. dragon's about to show up, just amazing. Yeah, the yeah. opening shot of the movie. If you had told me it was a. It was film. I would
1: have believed you. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this 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 one more than any, I think that we've seen just has a really really cinematic feel. You know, like it feels like they had a really good cinematographer. I don't I don't know who what who it was actually. Um, well, and they did
0: everything remote. That's the strangest part of it. Like this is a COVID movie.
1: Yeah, and that is weird that it's a COVID movie. Um, that's like. I mean, it's got some very COVID-ish themes, you know, um, which I, I guess was not intentional, you know, it was kind of coincidental. Tell, um, tell me
0: more. What do you see in here that remind, I guess, the the people turning to stone and all that? Yeah, the
1: the drone, you know, is kind of like a disease that you can't stop. It's, you know, it's it's coming after you everywhere and you have to figure out a way to, you know, to avoid it, you know. I, just, I
0: remember thinking in, t- in 2020, like, a hundred years from now, people will never believe that Avengers Infinity War and Endgame. Were before COVID, like everybody would think that that was a response to COVID.
1: Oh yeah, that's true.
0: Yeah, and yeah, I guess this one too. They even kind of look like
1: viruses. The drone. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is just the drone kind of looks like a virus.
0: You have this like amoral force. It's not that they're evil. It's just what they do. They don't care about human beings. Right. What um, do you know if that's an actual South Asian, Southeast Asian, uh? mythological entity or do you think that that's something that they made up for the movie I I don't know anything about Southeast Asian culture
1: yeah that's a great question I don't I don't know the answer to that one Um, I I will say that I feel like if it was a Southeast Asian thing they would have been a little more explicit about it in some of the stuff that I did read and watch and so I'm guessing it's just made up Okay. Um, because I mean they talked about all the, the different cultural touchstone things that they used like you know the architecture, the uh, the instruments, the the clothing and the dress. Um, Sisu's design is very like um, like that. Like she looks like what Asian dragons look like, as a, as opposed to like European dragons. You know, um, like so. There's there's a lot of of that 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 was either I noticed myself or you know noticed by someone pointing it out in in the behind the scenes or the reading or whatever. But um, yeah, I didn't see anything about the Drones specifically, actually. So I'm guessing it's just made up for this movie.
0: Fair enough. I mean, that's fine, right? I, I If they're not claiming that it's legitimate yes. mythology, I, I don't see how anybody could be too upset about that.
1: Yeah, yeah. The drones are repelled by, by water, so I guess you could make a really, like, you could really stretch it and say, you know, like the water's like, you know, the, wash your hands for, and say the ABCs two times. For <laughs> you Remember when you, that, when you could was, do that, yeah. Remember when that was a big thing during COVID? <sighs> Make sure you wash your hands and. Or was well, it, at the time it? they
0: were making this movie? We were still wiping Happy down our groceries, weren't
1: That's true. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> what a world! What a world! It is hard to. I mean, I think it's it's very impressive. Um,
0: well, that they know, did this at a distance? I can It's it's crazy.
1: Yeah, I I would I would imagine that. If if you just told me like oh you know the show must go on and they're doing that from home I would have I would have been like mm, this movie's going to be trash you know like there's just no way to do it and and it's not like it's it's a good movie <laughs> so well they
0: they did the voice acting from home they didn't yeah. they didn't do the voice acting in a professional studio which I mean I guess it's not like that we do what we're doing here in a professional studio so it shouldn't surprise me that you're capable of getting a, a decent sound from home, I mean, I assume they're setting up some sort of uh, noise booth so that you're not hearing the air conditioner run behind them like you do on the show. But still, mm-hmm. like it's it's you you think about going from um, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs to this, and and the, the technology has improved so much that. They could have uh, they, they they could do almost anything from home. I would think with green screen technology, I imagine you could make a live action action movie from home now.
1: Maybe, yeah it's it is it is wild, and I, I do feel like it's 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 impressive, um, especially with how collaborative these you know these movies are and have to be. You know, um, yeah it's 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 just very impressive. I don't want to get too excited about it because I think uh, I think there is still something very real about face-to-face human interaction. <laughs> right, and I think the filmmakers agree with that. I don't think Disney was like, "Oh, hey, you know what? Let's just do this from now on, <laughs> even though we don't have to anymore. Let's all like just stay remote." You know, there is no more Disney Animated Studios. It's you know, it's all from home. So,
0: I don't know. I think Disney was pushing. Victoria told me about this that Disney was pushing for this machine that will replicate an entire symphony orchestra. Oh, really? (laughs) That's
1: interesting.
0: I wouldn't. I I wouldn't put it. Anything that'll save them a buck.
1: Yeah, that's true. I did see a thing that the uh, the um, at the time they recorded the symphony or whatever the the soundtrack, um, there was a limit on. You could only have forty people. In your orchestra or whatever and so they double they doubled everybody like the in the mix somehow however they do that you know um so it, it would sound like a full orchestra even though you know maybe there was only one you know the the violin section was cut in half you know somehow they doubled it in the mix or whatever i don't quite understand how all that stuff works
0: yeah i don't either interesting it, it doesn't sound like a huge orchestra in the the movie, but I figured it was on purpose. There's a lot of kind of tribal sounds
1: in the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the soundtrack was done by um, James Newman. Newton Howard. Yeah, we've talked about him before, I think, because uh, he also did Dinosaur, Atlantis, Treasure Planet, all of which I don't remember being particularly excited about. But um, maybe I was. Maybe if I went back and listened to those episodes, I would, I would find something. I, I said something good about that, but um, my uh, my eldest daughter was like, "I really like the music in this movie." <laughs> so
0: it's it's very striking. It doesn't sound like any any other, and um, at least any of the other soundtracks we've looked at on this on this show.
1: Yeah. So yeah, it got it got two thumbs up from from Evangeline. So I think the main the main theme is is uh, is 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 nice, and it's kind of. Uh, catchy you know like you can hum it after watching the movie a couple times which is is not something i can say about a lot of a lot of themes you know yeah so i guess um i wanted to talk to you a little bit about um like the coming together of the team um i guess we were we were talking about that a little bit you know how that's that's kind of typical heist movie type things you know um but this particular team i feel like the 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 theme of the movie is is definitely um, kind of hammered home about you know learning to trust others is <laughs> kind of the big theme. Of, would you agree with me on that one? Yes. Um, and the thing that brings this particular team together, which I thought was interesting, is is their shared grief. Um, yeah, uh,
0: I, th- I thought they did a really good job actually of of reminding us every so often that everybody has lost so many loved ones to these to these drones. I thought, like, every now and then it would just cut to Raya looking at somebody who's frozen and and remembering that, oh, you know, that's somebody's mother. That's somebody's daughter or husband or whatever.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And, like, when she realizes that Noi is a con artist because she doesn't have another option because her whole family has been turned to stone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would, I would agree that it's, it's grief that brings them together and that that's the, that's the movie at its most in I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And I, I didn't think about the end game comparison mostly because I found end game somewhat forgettable, but, um, uh, but you're right. Like it is, it is very similar there. But I think the it, it is an interesting. Um, I I don't know. I don't know if there's anything deep or whatever to say about it. You know, but like it is just interesting that that that's the way they went. You know, like um, because I th- I think there's a real truth to it that that you're a shared grief can bring people together. You know, in ways that uh, that maybe other. Other things won't, you know? Yeah. Um, And
0: again, again, something that should ring true during the COVID era, although I think the COVID era taught us that grief is not enough to bring people together. That's true. Yeah, keep going, sorry. When when other things get in the way. I mean, like it seems to me that that was a message we very much needed in 2021 and I guess continues to need here in 2023. And yet... um, the way things shook down it didn't happen that way at all right like if if anything our grief instead of being shared just um pushed us
1: further apart yeah and i think that i think that's a really wise point michael cuz i i do think that there's no like silver bullet for human interactions you know like um i mean the the <laughs> The, there's a lot of false gospels out there you know and sometimes they work really well you know you could say like oh grief is the is the thing you know or suffering or, or something you know is it's it's the shared common human experience that everybody has and so that's that's the thing that will sanctify you or that's the thing that will bring you together and it's it's true that you know it can really draw people together and it, it can be a very sanctifying experience but on the other hand it, it can go the opposite way you know so um yeah, so that's 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 a really good point. That, that it doesn't it doesn't always work the way it does in the movies. But I I still thought it was poignant in this movie. Like I thought, um, like uh, I I just I, I don't know. I can't think of um, a lot of movies that that go that direction. You know, like um, like hey, we all have this shared. It's not just a shared loss in like. The way like, oh, we all lost um, the same thing at the same time. And so let's unite around the memory of this person and what they would want us to do. I feel like that's, you know, kind of a common thing. But this is more like we've all lost in similar ways. And so what do we have now except for each other, you know? Right. Right.
0: It was it was well done. It, it did not feel like the, the unity was easy. It felt like they had to earn it. Mm-hmm. And they they did a good job of making making people earn it. You certainly understood why Raya did not trust people. And um, the movie made it clear that it was a struggle for her to learn to trust people. This wasn't just a, a, a light switch she could flip.
1: Yeah, I think that actually goes back to a little bit of, like, the off-screen thing. Like, it really seems like her team is coalescing faster than she is. Like, she seems to be, like, the last one to learn it, you know? Like, the the team seems to all be getting along fine and splendidly. And, um, you know, she's still wanting to keep everybody at a distance and not really include them, uh, you know, not really trust them um, right up until the end. And then, of course, you know, it it flips and she has to be the one to take the first step um but but yeah i think is it she's she's an interesting figure in that way and that she's not like um she's definitely not her father right like her father is you know let's let's rah rah and bring people together um and and show them you know how how we can we can all trust one another um she's she's the most skeptical of that message <laughs> <laughs> but somehow still manages to bring these people together you know it's kind yeah. of, it's an inter- interesting uh, paradox there for sure for sure
0: yeah it takes a, a like a supernatural force for her to learn to trust and then and even then she doesn't really right like even then she is at least partially responsible for Sizu. I totally reject the notion that she's fifty percent responsible as <laughs> namari says because namari didn't have to pull the crossbow to begin with so like I would say that makes <laughs> that makes her at least seventy five eighty percent responsible just for pulling the crossbow. <laughs> and it, it's true that if she hadn't thrown the sword it wouldn't have hit uh hit Sisu, but I mean get real.
1: Yeah, get real. She had she had not done anything to that point uh to to justify like that yeah that statement of like why didn't you trust me <laughs> like well well lady you you pulled a crossbow when i was when i trusted
0: you right well uh, what, what's the word they use instead of the b word the uh oh,
1: it, b-
0: batari or something like batari,
1: that sorry yeah that's it well but you, <laughs> <laughs> you you pulled you're the one who pulled the crossbow right with your finger on the trigger, right,
0: getting closer and closer and closer. So it's it seems. I mean, I don't know if the movie's actually if we're actually supposed to think she's fifty percent responsible. Yeah. Hey, while we're on that subject, let me ask you a question. Why did Sisu come back to life? <laughs> I understand why the other dragons did, um, but. Like, the other people who died by non-Droon means did not come back to life in this
1: movie. Yeah.
0: Right? So why did why did Sisu come back to life? Is it just I because think,
1: the movie would be too sad if she didn't? Well, I mean, that's part of it, I think, is, yeah, the movie would be too sad if she didn't. I think mythologically, like, can can dragons really die? Because they're the givers of life, right? So I don't,
0: I don't know what the
1: um, Southeast Asian belief about dragons is. You, well, you might I'm, be right. Well, I just, I meant like in the movie. In the movie, they say at one point, like Droon is basically the opposite of the dragons. So the the dragons give life and you know water is kind of like this representation of dragons because water is life and then that that's like why the drones are repelled by water i I forget exactly the line it's a very quick line like you know you'd be totally forgiven for missing it i've watched this movie several times um but there's yeah there's some point where they say like drones are kind of the opposite of of the dragons so yeah i I don't know if, if dragons actually can be killed in that way um so so maybe it makes sense. But I think I think you're right that mostly it's just the movie would be too sad if she didn't come back. It's it's frustrating. It's um it's like She's, they
0: it's it's yet another place where they lacked the nerve to make the movie have the tone that it needed to have. And and they could have gotten comfort from the fact that the other dragons all came back. Like I think they could have done something interesting with that. Or they could have given us a reason why she came back from the dead. I I don't object to a character coming back to life it just isn't it didn't seem like in the rules of this universe she had any reason to come back to life
1: yeah i think i i, I think it's a really fair point i think in a, uh a yeah there's a bit of a swing and a miss there because there there should be real consequences for our actions although i guess in some ways you know, I, I know I'm talking about both sides of my mouth. I'm trying to figure out what I how I feel on this point. Like in some ways we've seen the real consequences of not trusting each other because the drones were released and the 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 countries all fell apart, you know. So there there were, you know, year you know, at least six years of real consequences of of non trustful actions. So do we need one more consequence? <laughs> you know, right with, with Sisu's with death. Um maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I did like the scene where Sisu
0: flew up and just like looked at Nomari. I thought that was well done when after she came back to life, it was clear that she had forgiven her. You know, yeah, I thought that that was a nice moment.
1: Yeah, she wraps her into the hug. Actually, I think, yeah, I think the 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 looks, though, I think you're right, because the uh, the other time when. When Sisu first reveals herself as a as a dragon to the the team, whatever we're calling this team of uh, what droon Butt kickery and I think what uh, <laughs> this uh, um, uh oh what's his name um anyway uh, Tong Tong, thank you. Uh, I was scrolling to find it, and this, I feel like there's always a moment in all of these episodes where I'm scrolling to find a name. Anyway, Tong calls it. Um, but yeah, uh I lost my train of thought. Oh, um, when when Susa first or Sisu, sorry, Sisu first <laughs> shows up, man. Um, get your bingo cards out. Josh can't talk or pronounce anything. Um uh, Sisu reveals herself and um, uh, she just stares down namari. And I, I felt like that was really well done. You know, like you see namari reflected in Sisu's eyes and you know, you see Namari kind of. I, I just feel like the Namari carries such emotional weight in this movie because she really does seem, you know, not wholehearted for um, Fang. You know, like she really seems like she wants to do the right thing, um, but then she keeps not doing the right thing. You know, like I, right, I don't. Know. Right. <laughs> She's not a villain, is she? No, not not in a traditional sense. That's for sure. Yeah, doesn't doesn't
0: somebody, I can't remember who, call this the no villains era of Disney? Uh maybe, yeah. We haven't, well,
1: don't had
0: a, we haven't had a real villain since Zootopia.
1: I don't know. I'd have to look back at my list of stuff. It is interesting. This this movie for sure is is kind of villainless. Not entirely villainless, but not in the sense I mean not in the way that like uh you know, there's no Ursula, there's no Cruella de Vil,
0: you know, there's no, right. um. there's no Prince Hans. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean. Frozen 2, the villain is like the past.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Ralph breaks the Internet. The villain is Ralph's insecurity. Right. I guess Moana kind of has a villain.
1: But even then,
0: like, the villain is the person they're trying to rescue.
1: Yeah, Moana does. I wouldn't say Moana has a villain, really. So, yeah, I think you're right. You got to go back to Zootopia.
0: Yeah, so we go straight from the villain hidden in plain sight era to the
1: no villain at all era. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is going to remain true for Encanto... And then I haven't seen Strange World yet, so I don't know. I think these, yeah, this it, it is interesting. These connections to these different things, you know, um, the way the way the movie relates to other other movies in the canon, in that way, you know, even whether it's recent movies or, you know distant past movies it it is it is far it is a far distant you know thing from from the way a lot of these stories were told it's interesting too because like um you know the the i read a lot of i usually read a review or two for all these movies you know before we do our shows just to kind of see what other critics have said and it's it's just such a common trope or idiom or whatever you know about like the disney formula is still working or whatever but it's like what like after watching all these movies it's like what exactly is the disney formula because right. it's not like there's seven or eight different formulas right yeah it's like the formula for whatever the formula is for this movie i mean you're right like we're we're, we're in a completely different place it's not it's not uh it's not a love story it's not big songs it's not um you know uh it's not a a lovable or hateable villain you know (laughs) like um yeah it's it's just it's something new you know disney keeps evolving good i think that's good i think we've criticized disney a lot for not 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 for not evolving but for like not taking chances but in some ways you know they they they've definitely they've they've changed a lot by this movie especially i feel like they've changed a lot
0: yeah yeah, I, I agree.
1: So praise where praises due, I guess.
0: Yeah, and o- overall, I liked this movie um, very much. Sorry, I feel like I don't have that much to say about it. I can, I'm I'm getting sick.
1: If our listeners want to know why I'm kind of dazed. Yeah, well, and I was thinking even before we started recording, Michael, to sh- tell you the truth, like, I was like, okay, usually we have really short episodes when neither of us like the movie because we don't want to just, you know, spend an hour hammering it. Um, with this one, I was like, I liked this movie, but um, I don't know, I guess it's it's uh, kind of the same thing that we talked about with um, with some of these other, you know, more recent movies. Like, there's it's not like they're... They're really deep <laughs> you know like they're enjoyable but there's this, this it's hard necessarily to pull a lot out of them i feel like you know part, i mean part of the problem is they're no longer
0: based on fairy tales i think and the, the fairy tales they're they're simple stories but they have this like cultural depth to them because they, they they're these stories that have been told for hundreds of years and so they go deep down into the the human soul somehow and so there's so much to say about them this is a movie that, you know, somebody came up with the story and made the movie three years ago. And so it there there are resonances to those things, but it's not as it doesn't go as deep as um, as something more archetypical.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think that gets back to your earlier question about like are the drones some sort of mythical creatures in in these actual tales, you know? And and like I said, like I said at the time, I don't, I don't think they are, and so it would be interesting. I, I don't know what the, you know, maybe there was no Southeast Asian tale that they felt was adaptable, you know, or maybe we're just so far away from that that uh, that that's not something that Disney's interested in even doing anymore, you know. Um, like, what's the last? I mean, I guess Frozen is kind of very loosely based on the Ice Queen, but. They've they've really gone away from uh, adapting those those fairy tales. I guess ta- *Tangled* maybe was the last really like, you know, that was 2010. You know, <laughs> it was maybe the last like real fairy tale they adapted.
0: But I mean, *Tangled* wasn't really any closer to Rapunzel than *Frozen* was to the Ice Queen, was it? Like
1: *Tangled* is
0: *Tangled* is a um, Errol Flynn movie. Yeah, essentially, I, I guess it. I guess it follows the major beats of of that story, but it just doesn't. It doesn't seem. I I have trouble thinking that, that is a um, that's a faithful adaptation. And I liked that movie. That's not a criticism.
1: Right. No, that's. I I think that's 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 a fair point. So then I guess you have to go back. Um, who knows how far then? <laughs> you know, <laughs> to the last faithful adaptation. Uh gosh, The little mermaid <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean beauty and the Beast is a is a
1: faithful adaptation, is it not? Yeah, yeah beauty, yeah I I, I I don't know that I've ever read the the original Beauty and the Beast. I, I don't think I have either. Okay, well there you go. Beauty and the Beast was the last one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Princess and the Frog no, Princess and the Frog is just a version of it, isn't it?
1: Yeah. So I think actually I no I think that's I think I think we should draw the line at Beauty and the Beast. I know we're way off off topic at this point, but like uh, because after that you get Aladdin, which actually has a weird parallel to this movie. In that you know Aladdin took place in Agrabah, you know this kind of made up uh, conglomeration of of Middle Eastern countries, you know, um, and Kumandra. I think Kumandra is much more. Uh, you know, pol- like, politically correct and of our era, you know, like, adaptation of all these different cultures into one, um, but, uh, you know, Aladdin was doing a similar thing, and um, I, I do think maybe that's where things changed, you know, that they, they started doing, at that point, they stopped doing um, real fairy tales, and they did more well, you know, here's a Middle Eastern story, and here's, you know, then we have Pocahontas, so here's a, uh, you know, uh, a Native American story, and then uh, we have Mulan, so here's a, you know, a, a Chinese story, and
0: um, right. Although Mulan is based on
1: Chinese mythology, right? It's based on the woman warrior. That's true, yeah. But I don't, I, I don't know if it's. Again, like I don't know if the adaptation of Mulan is any deeper or, or like more, you know, more true to the actual story of Mulan than, um, than Enchanted or not yeah, Enchanted. That's, Sorry, that's, that's, that's probably fair. <clears throat> so, I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> how do we get here?
0: <laughs> We were trying to figure out why we have less to say about Ryan and the last dragon than we do about some other movies.
1: yeah, so it's true yeah I, just, I, I yeah I was, I was I was racking my brain because I you know I usually try and come up with with you know some interesting talking points throughout for, for all the movies that we and how successful I am at that is you know varying but at least i I usually at least have have a list of things I wanted to talk about and with this one I just I really struggled to come up with with much. Other than the grief thing. I didn't I didn't really have much to say. So a good movie though. Yeah, it is good. It's
0: um it's it's a lot of fun. It it has a tone, at least for part of the movie, that you don't normally see in Disney movies. It's not a musical. I don't know if that's a, a plus or a minus for everybody. Certainly the next movie we're gonna talk about is a musical.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's I think this movie would have been lessened if they had had music in it.
1: Yeah, I think it doesn't. It wouldn't. It wouldn't quite fit uh, the tone they were going for. <laughs> There's no, um, you know, pop song montage. <laughs> yes, thank God. Favor. That's a point in its favor. Had this movie been made at the beginning of the 2000s, it definitely would have. Well, you know?
0: yeah, it would have been um, Treasure Planet, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think they've learned a lot from them. Or you know, the again, like it's it's hard to say how much did they learn and how much is just the culture change. what's what's expected in a movie um but yeah i think that's the thing that i'm getting to at the end of this uh uh podcast series is that i never really fully answered the question for myself of like what should a movie do or what should a movie be (laughs) you know (laughs) maybe that would have been a good question to ask ourselves uh 60 episodes ago um because then you know you you'd actually we'd actually have a standard to measure these movies against it's like did did it achieve this but um yeah, I do feel like um this movie was entertaining at least, and like I said, my kids like it, so I've seen it several times it holds up it's not a it's not one that i i dread watching you know
0: yeah i wouldn't uh I would not mind watching it again, unlike uh some of these other ones, yeah <laughs> Well, uh, next month we have a movie I did not really care for, which is uh, Encanto. I'm interested to see if I like it better the second time through.
1: Yeah, I'm interested to see that too because I feel like
0: I liked that movie substantially less than everybody else.
1: Right, and I I feel like I'm going through a I, I feel like in the last little while I've been going through a crisis, Michael, where I feel like I'm this kind of contrarian person in in my taste. But then something like Encanto, everybody liked it, and I liked it too. So what's, what does that mean?
0: <laughs> I Means you at least you're occasionally honest.
1: <laughs>
0: you're not just uh, you're not just opposing it to oppose it.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So so we have that to look forward to. I, I I well we'll see we'll see if there's more to to drag out of Encanto than we dragged out of Raya. Um, hopefully there is. Um, Alrighty. Um, our press liaison is Kristen Philippic. We're on the old interwebs at beforetheywere.live and christianhumanist.org. Please help us continue this conversation by reaching out to us at beforetheywerelive at gmail.com. Maybe you know more about Southeastern Asian cultures than we do, and you can tell us uh, what we missed. Uh, we also want to encourage you to set your podcast player styles to the Christian Humanist Radio's network where you'll find an abundance of new and old shows to keep you going. Michael and I know there are a great number of podcasts out there you could be spending your time on. So thank you so much for spending the time with us. So for Michael Farmer, I'm Josh Altman, for may feel impossible, but sometimes you just have to take the first step even before you're ready.